Hello everyone, I'm Jimmy Craig from multiple podcasts that you probably find pretty annoying at this point. But I thought we'd advance on to something else and this is the DC for FP, the Damien Damien Craig football podcast, but I'm not doing it by myself. No, you wonderful people. I'm doing it with someone who is very special to me, is my brother. Joe, Joe, how are you? I'm not too bad, Dee. How are you? I'm great. And basically on this it's just you know, it's just you know, every other typical football podcast where we're giving you different subjects, different yeah, different things talking about and with recent events I'm telling you this part this episode will be something spicy so let's all get into it so the first thing I want to talk about is uh, Newcastle and their takeover that has uh, been, that has more or less been completed Joseph Mike Ashley finally going away from Newcastle what's your opinion? I'd say the Newcastle fans will be glad they've been wanting rid of them for years now and complaining so it will be uh, good riddance I'd say for most yeah, um. So this Newcastle takeover, from what we know, is it's a Saudi prince, and the and ten percent of his stock is owned by uh, a woman who was a part of the Man City takeover, and the Saudi prince is worth I think up to two hundred and fifty billion. So that's a lot of money going into the club. Not only would it make them the most or the most fan, uh, sorry, most um. Rich. rich club in the Premier League, but it would make them the most rich club in the world, more than likely. That is absolutely mental. If you think about it, if you think about Newcastle, within five years ago when they were, there were talks of them possibly having financial problems to the point of them going bankrupt, to now having possibly having the most expensive club in the world. Do you think um there's also been talk of this projecting them into the top four, but do you think that's a bit stupid? Um no definitely not. Newcastle's a big club, worldwide following and have always been known around the world as a big club, but have always then lacked the financial resources the last while. Mm-hmm. So with this financial boost I don't see why the rest of the top four and the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal who are and United who are slipping couldn't be scared of Newcastle making a big move. True. I feel like you've guys like Kai Havertz and guys like um McCano from Leipzig who I definitely feel like would be open to a Premier League move. So Definitely if they could adopt uh something similar to Leipzig getting young players in on the cheap and now they've got the money to bring an experience to they could definitely make a climb up the Premier League table. And it's not like it's not unknown for Newcastle to be a top club. During um Keegan's years as Newcastle manager they were a top two club and they were a friend for the Prem. So with Mike Astley gone who's kind of drained Newcastle of what it what it used to be, this they could finally with Steve Bruce or Benitez or whoever they get in, they could maybe again get the glory years back. As you said, there's chat of Benitez coming back due to the takeover that will be the number one. Benitez is a top manager. Given the money to spend, like he had at Liverpool, he can bring in players. He brought in Javi Alonso and players of that quality at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why he couldn't make good signings at Newcastle either and turn them into a top club. At least top six, I'd at imagine. At top six. And you've seen clubs like Fulham and clubs like Leicester go on European adventures. And you never would have thought they would have. So if Newcastle would get good money and good signings, then they could definitely go for a Europa League or Champions League campaign. 
most definitely, and it will likely be building over a few years where they'll probably make a couple of signings this summer. Not if they were wise, they wouldn't try and do a Spurs and maybe sign 10 players in one summer, but survive this year and make two to three signings a year to sort of merge and end up with your club. Mm-hmm. So, moving on. Uh, there was a picture going around the internet of... Um, a footballer and a manager who maybe broke the rules. Um, I'm talking about Jose Mourinho and Tangai on Dembele, who were caught in uh, London on the, in a park training. And with the circumstances currently going on, this is probably wasn't the best of decisions. No, definitely not. With social distancing being key at the minute, and footballers and management obviously meant to be... Um, role models in this situation, for them to break it, to go out and train, really wasn't a great decision on Mourinho's behalf. No. And, uh, obviously, as you say, there are role models, and there's younger people who maybe see them, and are like, oh, if they can do it, why can't we? So it's definitely, it was definitely a dumb decision on their part. Um, those are not the only people, or footballers that we have seen uh, do it, that's a conversation for another day, but um, definitely feel like Mourinho and Dombele said, um, and kind of going off it, um, I was also in a video earlier, and they're trying to say, and they're trying to kind of talk about what should be like a punishment for footballers if they um, break these rules, What's your, what do you say, take on that? See, it's hard for Spurs to make a call on punishment as... The player was just following the wishes of the manager and then do Spurs go and undercut Mourinho and find Mourinho and as we know Mourinho doesn't have a fantastic temperament so they probably don't want to do that either in the case of wrath from Mourinho so it's trying to balance out both but I definitely think there should be uh, some sort of consequences but what they'll be I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like if... No, it's 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 hard to say. It's hard to call because obviously Mourinho has a past of little, little um, the little swings annoying him. This could be this any form of annoyance really could send him over the edge, and then and Dombele, he could, he could like, maybe take a, a little bit of the wages away, but then obviously with the whole situation, they're not going to be playing football. Taking wages away could be. It's not going to hurt them, like, but it could annoy them. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I really don't know how they could attack it, but it's one for Daniel Levi to try and address and sort himself, I'd imagine. Yes, man. Okay, so finally. Okay, so now a little mob right, <laughs> I guess. Um, obviously, we have so situation the Premier League has been suspended and definitely there has been talks over June fourth or June this there's been a talk of between June. Me and Joe's Liverpool fans, this us being Liverpool fans doesn't impact our decision on this. Honestly, how the Prem should be completed in my opinion is have all the games played because then you figure out relegation, you figure out Champions at European places and you figure out who wins the league. Opinions? In my opinion, as long as they play enough games that Liverpool can be confirmed as champions, I really don't care how the rest of us decided and who goes down at all, to be quite perfectly honest, on a slightly biased side. 
But I believe games should just be played behind closed doors in a World Cup format where clubs will be held in a camp. Centrally located possibly somewhere like London, Manchester, where there's plenty of football fields and stadiums where you could have six or seven games a day, maybe twice a day. You could get games rattled off fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And play it that way with no fans and stream all the games live. That's smart because... That's that is killing a lot. That's killing so many boards of one stone. You have obviously BT and Sky Sports getting the money from the games being live streamed. You have obviously finishing the season in a way that I'm pretty sure other clubs will want, unless your name's Callum Brady. Um, or and you will then have a good uh, start for a good a good way to know how to start next season, whenever that starts. But I feel like. I I definitely feel like um, this this void in it is stupid because then you have and there's also there's been a lot of talks of the endless amount of financial problems that the Premier League will have if you just end it. So I definitely feel like um, completing the season in the World Cup style that everyone is camped away is the best decision. Definitely financially, the Premier League will have to reimburse all TV companies for unplayed games. Um, it would cost them billions and billions so I'd imagine it's probably the Premier League want to finish it themselves yeah. but at the minute they're just currently trying to come up with a solution it's like, it's like have you seen that meme where it's like it's like me after I buy this or me after my me after the free trial ends and I have to forget to cancel it I will never financially recover from this yeah. <laughs> it's like the, there's always a chance that the Premier League won't financially recover from ending this from not ending the season. Yeah, they need to end it in some format. As even if they miss out in revenue from matches being played, the revenue that they'll then see it from not having to reimburse TV companies will well balance it out, and it's a hit that they can take instead of a monstrous hit. Yeah, and I think I've had someone saying that Liverpool could lose out on twelve million just because of tickets not being sold, but twelve million to a club. Like Liverpool and really any club in the Prem, it's not going to be a big hit for them. No, not really. Not not as financially dominant as it would be for a Championship club or League One or League Two. A Premier League club should be able to recover from that, and they likely have insurance which will cover some of it too. Yeah. So, so ladies and gentlemen, this it's a new podcast, and every podcast is a start, a middle, and an end. So the way we're going to end this one. Every 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 podcast, we're going to give you our team of the decade from different clubs around the world, nationalities, whatever. And this week, we thought, we're both Liverpool fans, why not do a team of the decade? So, the way this is going to work, me and Joe are going to just talk about goalkeeper, defence, midfield, up front, and we'll give you a team of the decade. So first, let's talk about a formation. What formation do you think? I think 4 3 I'd agree. Go for that. Okay, 4 3 Goalkeeper, you have Allison. Pepe Reina. Pepe Reina, Dudek. Probably that's about it. Yeah, so... Obviously, I wasn't around for Dudek. I was around for a little bit of Reina, but from what I've seen, Alisson always, and I'd put Alisson in this, but... Alisson's the first goalkeeper we've had that's probably been the best goalkeeper in the world and the leading player in his position, so I think it has to be Alisson. Okay. Alisson and Kate and Kate, but... I think I think we'll start we'll go centre backs and then find transition into full backs. Yeah. Centre back, there's one easy one. Virgil van Dijk. Virgil van Dijk. He is that he's slaughtered he's he's number one. He's the best of he's the best centre back we've had since maybe Carragher. Yeah. Okay. 
He's Crawdy. Who would be his partner though? You likely the three probably be between Iger, Carger, Hepia. Mm-hmm. I feel probably Carger because he's local. Mm-hmm. He's Liverpoolian. Yeah, so let's do a legend in the town and football now have probably the best centre back we've had since Carger and yeah. Van Dijk Carger, Cody. Now left back, I was thinking Hepia. Mm, I don't know. I think it has to be between John Arnarisa and Robertson. Okay, so Arnarisa was brilliant. He was brilliant in his time. One of the best setbacks that PM said. We've PM seen. We've seen a lot of Wobbo, but have we seen enough of him to put him ahead of Risa? I don't know. I feel like uh, Risa was unbelievable, but he could be outdone by the fact that he wasn't as successful side as Robertson likely is mm-hmm. because they had that one Champions League victory in the FA Cup. It's a tough one, but if I was to pick, I'd probably pick Robertson. Okay, so we'll put Robbo left back. Right back, I think this one's pretty easy to defend. Yeah, the only person I can really think that might come close is Steve Finnan, but he didn't have the same quality as Trent. He was mm-hmm. just more of a Mr. Consistent 7 out of 10 all the time, but I definitely think Trent takes it. Yeah, and in another decade, if Trent transitions into midfield then, you know, we could put Trent in the midfield and then have someone else in right back. Yeah. Like Hoover or whoever else really comes into right back. Yeah. So going to midfield, midfield, Stevie G has to be number one. Yeah. Without a doubt, 100%. I can't see anyone else. Yeah. Stevie G's, he could be that DM. We're doing like a 4-3-3-2 or 4-3-3-3. I would play him as, a, I would play him as an attacking midfielder as I feel mm. his best football in his prime was played more attacking. Okay. Two partners. This is, this is me when I start to get hold. Alonso. Mascherano. Mascherano. Didi Hammond. Didi Hammond. Possibly Hendo. Hendo probably, yeah. Definitely. Left of the Champions League. Um, Genie. He's Genie. Uh, who else has there been down the years? Uh, Charlie Adam. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Adam. I think Hendo has to go in there as the Asi captain. That's, oh Jesus! <laughs> I think Hendo has to go in there as the captain. That's hopefully going to lift us the Premier League and mm-hmm. has lifted us the Champions League. Yeah. And if I was to go with Gian, Fabinho could be in there Fabinho, too in a short yeah. time. I have to go with Xabi Alonso. Okay, so midfield: Alonso, Gerard, Hendo. Yep. Up front, I think, on the wing, Mane? Mane and Salah, I think, have to Mane go on the wing. Mane and Salah, yeah. Those two easy. And then striker, we've had great strikers. You have Suarez. Firmino. Firmino. Torres. Torres. Ings. No, that's good. Uh, in the prime. Sturridge in his prime. Sturridge in his prime. In his prime, you have, like, four strikers that could, out of good uh, arguments to be in that. In Klopp's current system, Firmino is a pick, without mm-hmm. a doubt. But for sheer ability and quality, it's it's probably got to be between Suarez and Torres. Mm. I would imagine I go Suarez is for his longevity. Torres was unbelievable for seven or eight years, but wasn't great once he left Liverpool to go to mm. Chelsea. And then even out of that, like going AC, he was. Wasn't the best. When Suarez has been more class from day dot. Even mm. though I feel like Torres in his peak was better than Suarez in his peak. I think Suarez has to go in. Okay, so Suarez up front. So this this, this is a Premier League winning team. 
Definitely. So we have goals, uh, Allison. And Pepe is definitely close. Yeah. Everyone is definitely in there. Centre backs, Van Dijk and Carragher. Uh, left back, Robbo. Robbo, yeah. Right back, Trent. Yeah. Midfield, Gerard, Alonso, and Hendo. Hendo, brilliant midfield. And up front, you have Suarez. We'll be finishing the Suarez. Yeah, yeah we'll go Suarez. Suarez, Mane, and Salah. That is class. And this and even the bands we have like Torres Sturridge. Sturridge. Sterling. Stolen. Coutinho. Coutinho. Didn't even mention him. I actually didn't mention Coutinho. Sabino, Hippia, Steve Finnan, Risa. Mascherano. Mascherano. Pepe Reina. Hammond. Hammond. Rubia. Very deep bench. <laughs> yeah, the Premier League's a long season. You have to you have to have that depth. Yeah. So yeah, I've been Damien. I've been Joe. Tune in next time the next episode of Damien Craig Football Podcast. Love every single one of you. Have fun.